0: 18 and we continue our message we started last week and uh overall focus is what is in thine hand as we asked ourselves in relation to this story before us today's kind of installment if we could put it that way is simply maybe entitled i kind of went back and forth but holding on to your harp while avoiding the spears Holding on to your harp while avoiding the spears or your main title, Living a Harp Life in a World Full of Spears. We we started looking, First Samuel chapter 18, and again, we'll just quickly uh, get our context once again, then we'll look at a couple new passages and things, but First Samuel chapter 18, verse number 10. Remember it well, and it came to pass on the morrow, and... In fact, uh, just a a moment before that, eight verses eight and nine, we see that the jealousy of Saul as he looked towards David and verse nine, Saul eyed David from that day forward and day in forward and it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house and David played with his hand and as at other times and there was a javelin in Saul's hand and Saul cast the javelin for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it and David avoided it out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David. We saw that, verse 12. And then we also look at verse nine, or chapter 19, verses 9 and 10 again. And uh, the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in the house and with his javelin in his hand. And David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence. And he smote the javelin to the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. And so, contextually, we understand what is transpiring here. We looked at it rather depthly last week. And we looked at both David and Saul, and we looked what was in their hand, and how that became a a type, a picture, a symbol of how they live their lives. And really, we started focusing more so on Saul in last week's message. And, and what went wrong? What, what happened in this beautiful relationship? We saw the verses last week, how when Saul first met David, he looked on David and they loved each other. They loved each other greatly, the Bible said. The Bible said that David found favor in the sight uh, of Saul. And so something went terribly wrong. And what went wrong was what Saul always had in his hand, and that was a spear. Uh, that was the mentality, the philosophy. And we'll define it a little bit more concretely this morning of what type of philosophy that is compared to someone who is a peacemaker, someone who, who a, as we see the harp and a melodious uh, instrument of song and ministering to people, whereas the spear is out to cause hurt. And yet what went wrong, and we saw here, we just read it, it had turned so terribly, this relationship, it had changed so much that it went from one based in love, one in which David found great favor in Saul's eyes, to as we just read that moment, Saul was fearful of David, suspicious, thinking, ah, he's out to get me, he's going to get me. And, And boy, what a what it wrought in that relationship, how it had t- turned turned a great relationship into a horrible one. It had tainted what should have been a brotherly kind of love. And so it is in our families and in our churches. When, when we hold on to a spear and we do not hold on to a harp, how quickly we can change relationships. How easily we can affect relationships. How, how easily we can change what God desires and intends to be a good thing, a, a mutually beneficial and profitable thing into a very sad thing. Because some of us are suspicious. We are spear-wielding people. Now, this morning, I'd like to, for just a few moments, turn our attention to that harp in David that harp as you can imagine we we see it being played in the king's house but let's not forget for many years that harp was played in a lonely shepherd's field ministering to david's own heart long before it made its way into the king's house that harp is sweet sounding it is melodious it is calming peaceful it is harmonious bringing harmony it's not impatient it's not hasty and So we see that really does describe David, doesn't it? Here is David from a young age. He was anointed king of Israel. He was promised the keys to the kingdom. It was his. He was going to be the next king. Samuel anointed him. God picked him out of all his brothers and out of all of Israel. He was going to be the one. And yet, with that being the case, David was never in a hurry to forcibly assert his right to that kingdom in his destiny. He was stable. He was settled in that way. And though his life wasn't without rough patches or streaks, the harp pictured David very well. What's quite interesting is that it was his skillful ability with the harp that brought him into Saul's life when saul was suffering from the oppression of those evil spirits and his heart and just troubled and so forth his servants had heard of david and his ability to skillfully play on the harp and so that is when they brought him to saul to chase away the evil spirits you can imagine it was that even killed and self-controlled david that that was used to soften the volcanic temper of saul you know what I find often to be the case? I, I find that sometimes within a marriage and sometimes within families, extended families, sometimes even within a church, that, that there are friends, there are people who have been, come together. There is a marriage in which a husband and wife, one is the spear-wielding person, the ready and anger to have a volcanic eruption and maybe a wife or vice versa is the calming factor. The one that just settles it all down is a heart player. Yet God desires that it to be both (laughs) drop their spears and pick up the harp. It's quite interesting, David is such, and it pictures him well. You can imagine, as they sat there in in, in Saul's house, that that Saul eyed David constantly. We saw that. We just read it a moment ago that he did, in fact, do that. Um, Watching him hit his eyes following him as he even in his heart grew in jealousy, desirous, no doubt, of the peaceful demeanor in the life that David possessed. When David fled from Saul in his home, we can conclude from the Psalms we read that you know what David took with him? His harp. His harp. Oh, he's running for his life, and life isn't very good. Circumstances are not the greatest in that moment, but that is not when he chose to pick up a spear. In fact, he he took his heart with him, and we can only imagine. We know that because we see in the Psalms that he speaks of praising God on his harp. He speaks of singing songs to God and of praise and worship to him. Uh, He often wrote of praising God. In the darkest hours, we just heard the choir sing of that midnight hour. Can I tell you, David had a few of those in those caves. David had a few moments where, wait a second, listen, hey, hey, this is undeserved, this is unfair, this is not right. Why am I the one running from home? I've been destined to be the king of Israel. I have every right to go back there, kick Saul out, kill him, to to retaliate, to pick up the spear too. But I am amazed and I am encouraged and I am exhorted and I am convicted that David did none of those things. That he just played on his harp. We can only imagine that some of these psalms that we read of in this glorious book, our Bible, we can only imagine that some of those psalms were first sung on a harp in a dark cave. And he himself put them to song. Why? Well, simply because he knew it was much better to go through life with a harp than a spear. Was David good with a sword? Oh, no doubt. Probably one of the best in Israel's history. But his instrument of choice was not a sword or spear, it was a harp. That harp pictured his cunningness it pictured his calm and peaceful spirit and attitude and at the same time his fearless courage for what was life, right, excuse me, for much of his life. So we have these two instruments that we've, we've looked at, the spear in, in Saul's hand, the, the harp in David's hand, and, and honestly, the uh, two different purposes, their comparison and contrast is only matched and equaled by the comparison and contrast of the two people that hold them, that wield them. These two instruments, boy, they represented well how Saul and David lived, their attitudes, their demeanors, their interaction with each other. But I want you to notice how even the instruments stand in opposition to each other, as even these two men did. Think of it with me. The the harp, as it is played and used, it thrills, but the spear kills. The the harp soothes, uh, but that spear it slays. The harp produces a song, and yet the spear, what does it produce? Sorrow. The harp. Uh, it puts others at ease it brings them peace as it's played and settles down but what is the intention of the spear well the spear is intended to bring others pain and hurt any listen to me carefully christian any fool can throw a spear any fool can throw a spear Anybody can launch an attack. Anybody can pick it up. But it takes a patient, gracious, spirit-led person to minister to others in the spirit of the harp. To dodge a spear, to allow the spears to go flying by and not hit you and, and, and hang on to your heart where you're still ministering to somebody and you're still loving them as God commanded in His Word, even though, man, they are launching them like crazy. It takes a spirit-led, gracious person to do just that. And somewhere along the way, I I admire David for learning it. Could I put it and kind of bottle it? May I package it for you in two descriptions of the philosophies? First of all, we see the philosophy of the spear. This philosophy adheres to the belief that it is better to attack first and attack often. That there's no benefit uh, of the doubt given to someone else. We we assume the worst. We're suspicious of everyone. We believe that everyone else is really out to do us harm. That if I don't watch them, if I don't guard against them, that they're going to get me. They're going to stick at me with their spear. The worst about another person is assumed. I I don't have a need for the facts. I know that their motives and their actions and their thoughts are the worst. that, That they're just trying to do something to me. Every action is interpreted as a slight, as an intentional affront, as intended hurt. Every person must be viewed as a threat until proven otherwise. It's always on one's mind who adheres to this philosophy. It's always on that person's mind that those closest to them may actually turn out to be one's worst enemy. A David to a Saul. Even Jonathan, as Saul accused his own son. And when you're engaged in battle, when another person is engaged in battle with you, no quarter is given, no mercy. You throw spears first and you ask questions later. The more spears you can launch, the better. Do you adhere to that philosophy? Is that how you live life? May I challenge you this morning, hey, every time we enter into the presence of God and His Word, there ought to be something that we challenge. And I think this is why, why David continually was able, not to grab the spear, but to pick up the harp. And whether it be this Sunday or next Sunday, we're going to see a couple uh, illustrations, examples from David's life where he was bending down to pick up the spear, to put down his harp, and yet God intervened through ministering to him to say, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. Leave it to me. You do what's right. Don't pick up the spear and hurl it back. Trust in me. But you and I must ask ourselves what David often asked himself. You say, how do we know this? Well, he put it in a psalm. He said this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Hmm. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. and you tell me this morning, think in your minds, and what is the way everlasting? Would it be the way of the spear, the philosophy we've just described, or would it be the way of the harp? A peacemaker. Someone that Christ himself said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed is the person that doesn't pick up the spear, but boy, they hang on to their harp and they're pursuing peace. My friend, you and I must ask ourselves in our interactions this past week, it may have been an employee, it may have been an employer, it may have been a family member, it may have been a church member, it may have been someone out in our community, it may have been in our own immediate house. Did we pick up a spear? Did we adhere to this philosophy? Well, wait till they get here and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to get on them before they get on me. I'm going to attack them before they attack me. I know why they did that. They were just out to get me. Oh, be careful, Christian, because before long, you'll start acting like a suspicious Saul, adhering to a philosophy that ends up nowhere but devastation and sorrow in hurt for yourself. There's another philosophy, obviously, the philosophy of the heart. We would describe it this way. It's simply stated, it's a belief that peace and charity should be ministered to all. It, It adheres to Christ's teaching, love everyone. The hand is extended to offer kindness, goodness, and even if evil is received first or in response. It's the attitude of treating others like you personally would want to be treated. You love them as you love yourself, affording them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their actions, their thoughts, and their motives. Now think about that. What did David do? Saul threw that spear not once, but twice. He stuck around. You know, there's an old saying, right? And them are fighting words. Literally, hey, someone said something. Boy, they've thrown a verbal spear at me. And they've attacked me, man. That's fighting words. Here's David. Literally, physically, he has a spear thrown at him. And guess what? He gives Saul the benefit of the doubt. Ah, he's having a bad day. Have you ever given someone the benefit of the doubt? Hey, they had a bad day. Hey, they've had some challenges. They've had some issues that have come up. Hey, boy, they're going through a tough time. They're going through some deep waters. They're going through a great storm in their life. Isn't it amazing how quick we are to give ourselves the benefit but not someone else? We want other people to play harps all around us. But, boy, the moment someone lets us down, the moment we think their motive is wrong, we are gladly pick up the spear and accuse and and, and attack and fight back. I'm amazed that David stuck around. You know what the world would say to David. Hey, man, it's your own fault if you get hit the second time. You should have left after the first one. That's what the world would say. But my goodness, what kind of graciousness did David show? Why did he stay in the king's house? To still minister to the king. Wait a minute, the king that was trying to hurt him? The king that was that, that was trying to make him a shishka, David? <laughs> That's a shishka, Bob. Okay, anyway, forget it. Um, <laughs> Oh, that was bad, I know. Okay. Hey, why did he stick around? Because why? The very person attacking him was the very person that said, hey, God has me here to minister to. Now, isn't that amazing truth? Then David came to the realization, okay, fine, I'm just gonna, that person throwing the spears, I'm done with them. I'm not gonna talk to them. I'm just gonna ignore them. That's not what David said. He already dodged the spear once, but he sticks around. And he didn't do it for his own good. He did it to play his harp once again to soothe the spirit of Saul. Wow. That's some humility. That's some self-sacrifice for the benefit of someone else. You see, this philosophy of the harp, it, it, it says that every person is assumed to be a friend until proven otherwise. And even after that, Hey, when there's two spears thrown in the wall at you, you pretty much know that this probably isn't a friend, it's an enemy. But you know what David still does? He loves his enemy. He fulfills what Christ later says to love your enemy, return good for evil. The philosophy of the harp does not think evil, it only thinks good. First Corinthians chapter 13, we have the description, the character of love, charity. One of my favorite statements, and I've shared it often with you, is it says, Charity thinketh no evil. If every single Christian would get that and have it down, nailed down, could I tell you, we'd save our families a lot of troubles. We save our churches a lot of problems. Charity thinketh no evil. It doesn't assume the worst. It assumes the best. It doesn't just give the benefit of the doubt. It's like even if you prove prove your motive is wrong, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to still love you. It's quite a statement. I believe David lived according to this philosophy. This philosophy is not jealous. It's only gracious. When a spear is hurled, instead of responding in like manner, it would rather turn the other cheek. It is not an easy philosophy to adhere to. No one is saying it is. And David went through a lifetime of learning and and being tempted to pick up the spear and let down his harp. It's not easy, but it is the right one to be employed in the life of every Christian. And hence, that harp is a picture of the philosophy that David exemplifies think of it, you, you you don't have to stick around. Hey, I, I heard it even this week that, that somebody walked into a room and all of a sudden they said, man, you could just pick up the chill. You could pick up on the cold shoulder. You could pick up that we weren't welcome. Boy, you could just sense it. Let me ask you this. Do you think David picked up on the fact that Saul didn't like him? I, I mean, it wouldn't have been hard for David to, to, to sense, to, to pick up on the boiling jealousy within Saul. How he was ready to explode in a volcanic eruption of anger and action at any moment. We've heard this said before. Don't you think before Saul picked up the literal physical spear that he was staring at David and he was, what do we, how do we describe it? He was shooting daggers. Those daggers and those looks at David, and that full of anger and jealousy, was a premonition of the physical spear that would be flying through the air soon after. What's interesting is as that second spear hit the wall, it obviously became very evident to David that he needed to get out of there, he needed to flee. And yet, it's important to note that he did not reason ah, enough is enough. It's time to pick up the spear and hurl it back at Saul. We need to have this out right here and now. Hey, I've done nothing but good to you. I've treated you, but there's nothing but but kindness and, and loyalty. And this is how you treat me? He didn't do that. In fact, he made doubly sure that Saul had it in for him through his good friend Jonathan. Fleshly wisdom and the human concept, listen to me carefully fleshly wisdom in the human concept of rights would have validated David in such an action. The world and even our flesh would cheer David on to pick up the spear, to hurl it back at uh, the king. And many would say that it was in his right to do so. To yank that spear out of the wall and say, okay, that's it, no more. It would play into what we see often today, the victim mentality. I'm the victim. But he didn't do that. Rather, he chose to keep his harp in his hand and to walk away. Now let me ask you this. If you and I, I know some of you and you know me, many of us in passion and us and our our kind of self-defense, we all have that moment of what we might call it I can't take it anymore. Can I tell you, as a a pastor, I have people come into my office and say, I can't take it anymore. Something has to happen. You know what that normally transfers or interprets? You need to fix the other person. That's normally what it means. Pastor, you've got to fix this, and you've got to go talk with them, and I can't take it anymore. No. Can I ask you a simple question? Do you think in that moment, David, uh, it was tempted to say, I can't take this anymore. All of, I haven't picked up a spear yet. I, I haven't thrown anything. All I have shown is love and kindness. And, and boy, spear after spear after spear. And I'll tell you, my friend, from a fleshly perspective, some of us are like, yeah, David, it's time to fight, buddy. We like to you know quote scripture and, and get some ground. Hey, to everything there is a season, amen? Now it's time to fight. We like that. That sounds good. And boy, we'll give it some spiritual umph and backboard and, and backbone to, to, to help us beef our thoughts and things. But David doesn't do that. David doesn't reach with Saul his I can't take it anymore. And in response, he retaliates. And I'll tell you, my friend, I'm challenged by that. That there wasn't enough spears thrown at David by Saul that he picked it back up and started going after him. He didn't reach that point. You and I, some of us, we have those. We we know it. We've drawn the line in the proverbial sand. And we said, hey, once they cross this, if they throw just one more spear, it's on. We're throwing down. We're going to do it. But David wasn't like that. In fact, as David runs... As Saul chases him from his friends, his family, his home, David never once picked pick up the spear. But you know what Saul's attitude through the whole thing was? He couldn't throw enough spears. He couldn't find David close enough to throw it at him. Uh, the Bible tells us there uh, in 1 Samuel Chapter 24, we'll turn there in a moment, but 1 Samuel 24, you know what happens? Saul, after David has fled, Saul chases him. In fact, he just doesn't chase him. He just gets done fighting with the Philistines. He goes back in Israel, and the Bible says he gets 3,000 chosen warriors from all of Israel. You think Saul's serious? If I can't hit him with a spear, one of these guys can throw better than I can. We're going after him. He takes 3,000 chosen warriors of Israel and starts chasing David. And he's going all over the wilderness. In fact, the wilderness of En Gedi is where they're at in 1 Samuel chapter 24. And he's, boy, he's just following him and chasing him and trying to hunt him down. And boy, you can just imagine. He is yearning. He is grasping that spear. His hands and knuckles are probably white as he grips and just envisioning throwing you at David. You know the story. We, we, we've seen it before they're out in the wilderness Uh, Saul is going into the cave to take care of some things and he does so and unbeknownst to him that is the exact cave David and his men are standing and hiding in Saul enters the cave and, and the Bible literally says that they are still in the cave kind of hiding in the shadows and just on the sides of it Saul walks in and you can imagine what all of David's friends said (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha! This is it, man! This is your time to pick up the spear. This is your time to go after Saul. It is yours. Seize the moment, carpe diem, seize the day. It's yours. Hey, even God's delivered him to you. Now let me ask you this. How in the world, in all of this huge wilderness, how in the world, in all of this chasing, how in the world do their two paths cross in one cave? I think it's one of two things. Number one, I think either God allowed Satan to bring that, to come together to test David. Or God himself just simply allowed it in his sovereignty to allow David to be tested. What are you going to do, Dave? Perfect opportunity to put down that harp, pick up that spear, and to, to launch it there at Saul. You know, if you think about it in that moment, he could have picked up the spear... Lay down that harp and he did. He could have done what most people would say is his right. Take vengeance, make all the wrongs he had been dealt from the hand of Saul right. This was his opportunity to wield the spear. The shoe was on the other foot now. It would be fitting for Saul to get a taste of his own medicine. Yet, David did not do that. question is, with the constant spears and attacks from Saul, the weariness, because don't you get weary when spears are being thrown at you constantly? That don't you get sick and tired of, uh, of being the one, uh, as we like to put it, having to be the adult in the matter? Having to be the one that acts like a Christian? See, that can weary wear you down or wear you down. That, that can be very weary. You challenge yourself, wait a minute, why? All I do is take spears and all I do is get attacked. And, oh, Would he become like Saul? You know what they say is this, listen carefully. Misery loves company i remind you often hurt people do what they hurt people hurt people hurt people can i tell you this way put it another way spear throwers want to see others throw spears at them to validate their suspicions to validate their suspicions. so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw spears at you to get you to throw a spear back and there's a aha i told you I told you what you were like. I, see, see, you proved it. You know that happens a lot in marriages. We throw a spear, we throw a spear, and then finally someone just, I'm, I'm sick of it, I've reached my, can't take it anymore, and we throw a spear. Aha, see, I told you, you're just like me. Can I tell you, a spear thrower wants you, wants the other person to turn into a spear thrower just as much. And hey, You faced some spear throwers this past week. There's some people in your life who were, mm, mm, mm. and they wanted you to pick it up and throw it back. And there is David at one of these moments where certainly he may have been tempted. Yet, I don't think, I think scriptures bear it out. He did not let go of the harp to pick up a spear. He quietly and stealthily cut off that little corner of, uh, of Saul's garment, his robe, to prove that he had the opportunity to end Saul's life. But he would not dare pick up the spear. Now, can I tell you, just think of it for a moment. Isn't it neat in scriptures, because last week we looked at another time when David snuck in, he took Saul's spear. you remember that when Saul was sleeping and he held it out? Let me ask you this. How many times in the wilderness, at least, do we know that God delivered Saul into David's hands? Twice. How many times does Saul throw a spear at David in the king's house? Twice. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Saul picked up the spear twice and just flung it. David has two opportunities to do likewise, and he chooses not to, at least two. He allows Saul to depart the cave. He lets them get a little distance off, and David goes outside that cave. and says, hey, Saul! Saul, king! You know what's amazing too? Now, don't miss this. The Bible says that David bent down and put his face to the ground in honor of him. Wow. Wow. His attitude and philosophy comes shining through. He speaks and <laughs> he, he, he points out, he holds up that piece of the robe and he points out that he had the, the chance to kill Saul, but rather he had chosen to honor him as the king. Indeed, in the spirit of the harp that he held, he had honored a man that did not deserve it. But that is what it means to live like Christ. That is what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, an imitator of Christ. To have an instrument of peace in your hands that flows from a heart filled with the songs of peace and grace that only God can put there. You see, David proves that his love and graciousness in his heart by his action his words can i tell you as he does in that moment listen this is one of the great victories of the heart in that moment saul has a moment of sadness and reflection in fact it is a moment when for just for just a second a, a, a tinge of regret enters his heart and mind during this moment of lucidity Turn with me, 1 Samuel chapter 24. First Samuel chapter 24. The, the story that I've just shared with you is all here. And we'll pick up in verse 17. David has done his oration. David has done declaring and showing the piece of robe. And we come to verse 17. And, and, and this is Saul's response as, as David had done that. And in fact, the end of verse 16, of 1 Samuel 24, Saul lifts up his voice. He, he weeps. And he said to David, verse 17... Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. Thou hast showed this day how thou how that thou has dealt well with me, for as much as when the Lord had delivered me into thy hand, thou killedst me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good. For that thou hast done unto me this day. Can I tell you on that day, as it always does, the harp triumphed over the spear. As it always does. In that moment, you can imagine on that hillside, and everybody's listening, wow, listen to Saul. And you could sense in his voice, there was no doubt a tinge of regret, a a tinge of sadness, just, man, David, you've done right. Can I ask you this morning, have there been a time in your life where you have toiled and you have warily at times held on to the harp and someone has just repeatedly thrown a spear and you've dodged left and right and you've tried to get out of the way and maybe sometimes they hit you and you pull it out and, and verbally and all, whatever it is, an accusation, an ill will towards you, meanness, unkindness, whatever the the form of the spear is, but you have stood there being steadfast in the philosophy of the harp and you reached a moment where God did a wonderful work in their heart and life. And they come to you and they said, hey, this whole thing between us, you've handled it right. I'm sorry, I should have never done those things, said those things, gossiped about you. I should have never made those accusations. accusations. I, I, I was wrong, I'm sorry. But you'd always done Right. Not once did you fight back. Not once did you retaliate and say, I'm kind, you always show me love and kindness. And, and you were the one who who just was, man, you, how'd you do that? If you have had those moments, you have found out that the harp always triumphs over the spear. And I will tell you, if you live long enough, you will have the opportunity to have those moments but you choose you choose what's in your hand I have had moments like that but I wish I have had far more because I'll tell you in my flesh there have been times where I picked up a spear last few weeks boy there was one situation where I knew boy someone had thrown a spear and it would have been easy for me to reach down and grab a spear and I knew I could have made it stick (laughs) I could have gotten them back proven it man just show oh oh it's a challenge it's a wrestling it's a struggle to say no no i'm gonna hang on to that harp saul in this moment sees it for what it is he has rendered evil and unkindness to david who has only offered him kindness and peace and love and and even as David dodged Saul's hurled spears, David hung onto his harp and responded with only honor and graciousness. And what did Saul say? How did he end this little concluding remark? He says this, simply, The Lord reward thee good. And can I tell you, in that moment of lucidity, when he has a lucid mind, temporarily a lucid mind, you know what happens? Saul identifies a principle that comes from heaven that's throughout the entire book, God's Word. It's this simple truth that you and I must acknowledge this morning. Can I tell you that God blesses the hand that holds the heart? He does. Search the Scriptures. Find it for yourself whether it is reiterated in commands and principles of the New Testament, we'll, we'll see in, in closing next Sunday, or if it is the stories of the Old Testament, every single time our God blesses the hand that holds the harp. can't get by it. And it doesn't matter what justification you and I use to pick up a spear and start hurling back. That is not who Christ was and is. It is not who God wants you and I to be. As much from a human perspective, it seems right. As much from a fleshly perspective, it feels right. As much as we consider and justify by saying it's our rights. God in heaven says that's not how a Christian lives. We know what happened to David, don't we? We know the rest of the story. Does God bless David? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Saul, on the other hand? Hmm. We'll find out as we bring this series to a close next week that Saul finds the truth to this statement. Christ said it. For all they that take the sword shall perish by the sword. If all you do in life is hurl spears, and I tell you, you'll reap what you sow. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the challenge that we've continued to see through this story and these truths. and Lord, how imperative your Holy Spirit has made it and clear that we as your children, Father, that we are to be harp bearers. That, Father, you have, you, you have challenged us and encouraged us to, to see which philosophy we have in our hearts. Lord, I, I pray that we would indeed in this moment, this, this invitation as we like to call it, that you would search our hearts, that you would know our thoughts. And that, Father, you yourself in heaven, your Holy Spirit that indwells us, would would see if there be some wicked way in us, some philosophy, Father, if we're picking or holding a spear, if we're about to hurl a spear this week, if we've hurled a spear at somebody, Father, I pray that you would convict us, that you show us, that you get us back on the way of everlasting. Father, I pray this morning that you would help our families and our church and our community to be full of Christians who are peacemakers who in wearing the armor of God, Lord, they can stand against every arrow that's thrown their way. other every spear that comes hurtling at them. My God, I pray that you would help us to be like David in this way. My God, I I believe that as you have called David a man after your own heart, this is one of the more important parts of that declaration. And he was a man who Refuse to pick up spears and to throw them back. May you find us to be just the same. May we take all the truths and principles of your New Testament, loving our enemy, doing good to others, and what charity looks like. I I pray you'd find it in our hearts and our lives. And if it is not there this morning, convict us, show us our need, and help us to respond in making it right. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'll ask you to join me in standing all across the auditorium. The piano's going to begin playing. I'd encourage you. God has spoken to your heart. Let's do business.